The games take on an added significance as we enter the month of November in a playoff push for your North Dakota State Bison, who got back on the right track with the 24-7 win against Illinois State last Saturday at the Fargo Dome and travel for the first of two consecutive trips to the land of Lincoln to play Western Illinois. This is herded here on 740 AM, the fan, and we got a lot to tackle this morning. So let's grab both spoons and dig in, baby. I thought NDSU did what NDSU has done for the better part of the last decade and for the better part, or excuse me, yeah, the last decade and the, the better part of the last five decades during this historic run where they've won nine FCS titles, 17 college football championships overall, and dozens and dozens of conference titles. They choked the life out of Illinois State. They beat them down. Code Green, the Bison defense that's been much aligned for the first few months of this season, held Illinois State to 76 rushing yards, 219 total yards, and only 45 yards in the second half. That is the Bison formula to win football games, and they got the ball back to their offense several times with good field position, and the Bison took advantage, dominating the time of possession battle 34-26. to When you win the time of possession battle 34-26 to minutes, you are going to win a lot of football games, and the no-miss tackles! That was so nice to see. The tackling was so much better. The Bison, after saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks, the Herd played a complete football game against the Redbirds, and we'll look to replicate that performance down in Macomb where there's a wind advisory in effect. Keep an eye on that, Bison fans. In Macomb, Illinois, today, they're talking about 25 to 35 mile per hour winds with gusts up to 55, and I've been there to Macomb. When uh, Jade Kittleson, a former Bison player from Velva, him and his wife lived down somewhere in Iowa, and when I was at Creighton learning the law, I made a road trip out there. It's a dumpy stadium. It's a lot like a, a Coughlin Crumbling Alumni Stadium down in Brookings when they had those tin bleachers on the one side and the concrete that was peeling and chipping away. It's a lot like a high school stadium. It'll be playing like you play in Terre Haute, the Bison are going to have to bring their own energy to this game. And that's going to be a challenge. I had one listener already tweet at me, Swan, you don't need to worry about the win. The Bison are going to rush for 350 yards, and Western Illinois can't rush the ball either. On paper, this fan is right. Statistically, Western Illinois is one of the worst, if not the worst, team in the FCS. They are rated 123rd in rush offense are the Leathernecks, which is the worst in FCS, putting up only 74 yards on the ground per game. By comparison, NDSU is running the ball for 240 yards per game, which puts them fifth 
in the FCS in rush offense. Rushing defense, Western Illinois is 116th out of 123 teams. But as our guest coming on after the break, Adam Pelcheski, who's the head hoops coach at West Fargo, coaches for the Packers football team as well as an assistant and played for North Dakota State, as he'll tell you, yeah, you want to win the battle in the line of trench in the in the trenches at the line of scrimmage. But if you're one dimensional and the wind is making it impossible to throw, it makes any team, whether you're the worst team in the FCS like Western Illinois or the fourth rated team in the country like North Dakota State, if Western Illinois knows the bison are gonna run the ball every down, it makes it a little bit harder to run the ball. And you would like to see you would like to see that passing game continue making strides. Cam Miller has been lights out his last four contests. Over the span of the last four games, Cam is 71 of 97. 71 pass completions and 97 attempts. That's a 73% completion percentage and no interceptions in his last 112 attempts. He's only thrown... I don't understand it, Bison Nation, because the uh, peanut gallery isn't as loud as it has been earlier in the year about Cam's play. The dude has thrown nine touchdown passes this season to only one interception. And yeah, I get it. The Bison have played eight games. Nine touchdown passes doesn't sound all that impressive. Taking care of the football is. I don't care if you have 30 touchdown passes or nine touchdown passes. If you only have one interception... The way North Dakota State plays football, as their quarterback, you're putting that team in a position to win a lot of football games. And it's not just a game management thing. Pay attention to what they're doing. He had another nice touchdown pass to Lipke last week. You're getting receivers. Braylon Henderson, he's coming along, right? Four catches for 67 yards against the Redbirds. Zach Mathis, four for 32. And, of course, Lipke, two catches for 31 yards. They really dialed back on his use last week. The Bison are up two scores for the majority of the second half of that football game. Why are you going to put tread on the tires of a dude you're going to need to carry a lot of water for you when it comes to the playoffs? His usage in the playoffs will go up. We saw that last year against James Madison in the semis. We saw it against Eastern Tennessee in the quarters, and we saw it against Montana State in the finals. North Dakota State's coaches are very smart about how they use guys. And it was nice to see Kobe Johnson get back into the mix. The Bison running back by committee against Illinois State. Kobe at 10 for 51. Cam, 10, 10 for 40. They looked, they ran him a little bit more than they typically have done. Cole Payton, of course, with that nice touchdown run in the second half to seal the deal. But it was nice to see them put together a complete game. That's what had been missing. And Illinois State came into that contest 5-2 and two overall and 3-1 and one in the league. They're a team that could be in the playoffs if they win a couple games to finish out the season. They're a squad that could find themselves in the FCS playoffs. They got to play. They host Youngstown State this afternoon. They're not a bad football team. NDSU just dominated. Anytime you can hold any team, particularly a team that's 5-2 and two in the FCS, a team that was 3-1 and one in the Valley, anytime you can hold a team to seven points in a football contest, that is hard to do. So hats off and salute 
the code green, particularly only allowing the 76 yards on the ground. So what do we want to see from the Bison today? I talked about the wind and how that could impact both teams as far as what they want to do this afternoon. Cam Miller threw the ball 30 times last week. The Bison never throw the ball 30 times, and it was an interesting 30 passes because you never got the field during the game, especially that first half. I get the halftime last Saturday was the first time, maybe maybe only the first or second time in the last decade where at halftime NDSU had more passing attempts than rushing attempts. But you didn't really feel like the Bison were trying to sling the ball all over the football field. That's something that if the Bison have that club in their bag, and you've seen this from Craig Bull teams, Chris Kleiman teams, Matt Enns teams, and I thought Tyler Roll is doing a really nice job as he's done during his tenure as offensive coordinator. The Bison offense changes and evolves through the course of the season. It's starting, I think, to find its identity. And it's easy to say, well, the identity, Swan, you big jabroni, is a ground and pound run the team, run the ball kind of team. But if your only club in the bag is we're just going to line up and try to run it 50 times come playoff time, you got to see South Dakota State again. You got to play Sac State or Montana State. Good football teams, if you're one-dimensional, they will shut you down. NDSU is starting to show an ability to be a dangerous team passing the football. And I think we don't notice it because there's not that one Christian Watson type of dude that's going out there and hauling in 70-yard touchdown passes, taking the top off defenses. You're seeing a lot of guys get involved. I think for the for the fourth straight game or the fourth time in five games, you had at least seven different guys catch passes for North Dakota State. We want to see more of that in the offense because it makes NDSU that much more difficult to defend if the safeties and linebackers have to worry about NDSU throwing the ball, some of that underneath stuff, some of those 8, 10-yard passes. What happens? It opens up the soft underbelly of the defense for the Bison rushing attack. So pick your poison. If you say, look, we're going to shut down that ground game, if you're Western Illinois, which I'll expect they're going to do this afternoon, put eight guys in the box, try to stuff it up, you're going to have a lot of one-on-one opportunities in that passing attack. And with the speed that these receivers have, if they can get some open space, that's what this buys an offense. They're putting up 33 points per game. I know the second half still from the, the SDSU game leaves a real crappy taste in a lot of our mouths. This buys an offense is starting to show an ability to be multifaceted. And if they can throw the ball like that, that's why home field games like today, I overlooked Indiana State about a month ago. I had Brother Swan on these airwaves. I said, 49 to 0, going to whoop them. You can't do that in the Valley. And I know Bison fans, statistically, with Western being amongst the worst in literally every single category except penalties of all things this year, it's tempting to look past them. You can't do that. You need to win these next three football games. You got to beat Western Illinois today and play a good football game. You got to go down to Carbondale next week and beat Southern Illinois, play a good game. And then in two weeks' time, you got to beat Bubba's boys, the Fighting Hawks. You do that, you wrap up the season 9-2, and two, and you're probably the number two seed, which means you don't have to leave the Fargo Dome before Frisco. you got that dome field advantage. You don't have to worry about weather impacting any, any sort of passing game. 
That sets up well for a run to Frisco. What also sets up well is our next guest coming on after the break, Adam Palcheski. It is so funny in our group texts on the weekends, especially Brother Swan. I'm going to throw you under the bus. He says crazy stuff. I say crazy stuff. I'm not a coach, and sometimes Pally's like, are you dudes even watching the same game as the rest of us are watching? So I want to bring him in and talk about the buys and defense and all kinds of other stuff. Coming up next, we're champions. Come to talk. Heard it here with Swanee. The awesome quotient in the studio just went up tenfold as I've got longtime friend, former roommate, North Dakota State legend Adam Palcheski from Scranton on Heard It Here with Swanee, brought to you by Peterman Seeds of Holly and Smith Motors of Wapaton. Pally, you son of a gun, you old scallywag. How you doing, man? I am doing excellent. I, I wanted to bring you in because your insight is is so very on point. You played the game, you coached the game, you understand it. Last week, I thought NDSU, especially the tackling, we had, we had been talking about that after the South Dakota State game, guys losing their eyes, leaving their feet. What did you see against Redbird's second half? Because the, the Bison were clearly much, much better at limiting those yards after contact, wrapping up and, and tackling and, not, and, and such. But what did you see from Code Green last Saturday? Yeah, um, I mean, the, I'm happy anytime we get a win, so... A W is a W. Doesn't really matter. Um, but over the course of the season, you just watch some of the tackling, and there's there's no um, tackling is hard. I mean, I'm not gonna lie; it's really it is really hard. It's not a natural thing that people do. Um, but we're off our feet a lot, and we don't aren't, aren't able to drive through tackles and wrap up and finish them like we like like we had done in the past. Um, a lot of launching that I've seen before. So we're trying to clear that up. I can see it. They're working on it. They're trying to get better because if you can just bring a guy down on contact. No yards after catch, no yards after contact for the running backs. Um, makes everything a lot easier on defense. With uh, Wisniewski being back last week, that helped at the linebacker spot. And then Logan Kopp, redshirt freshman out of St. Louis, seven tackles. He's a guy during the course of that game, I'm watching him, and I'm thinking, who is that guy? What What's that that number, that dude that keeps making all the plays? And it was it was Logan Kopp. And that was, that was nice to see because that's an area where during the course of the year, the Bison, I don't want to say they're bad at linebacker, but typically they've been – one of the best teams in the country, and that's a position they've really kind of str- struggled. Might be a bit of a strong word, but they've they've kind of you know struggled a little bit to find who they are and some guys that can make plays. And for him to come in as a redshirt freshman, they got to find a way to get that guy in the. F- I, I suspect I saw in the paper this week he's going to be limited exclusively to special teams today. I really doubt that. You got to find a way to get that cat on the field. Logan impressed me. Um, you know, I I didn't know much about him after watching that game, and I was watching him, and he he was making plays. He's all over the field. Um, he was very impressive. Uh, a guy like that, I, you know, you'd love to see him here for four years, making plays, doing stuff. So he was he was definitely a, a bright spot. Um, and this late of the season, you don't get a lot of unexpected good news. So he he kind of was for a lot of Bison fans. Well, particularly after early in the year, the injury bug biting the defensive line. And it was with Cop. You know, you you look and during the course of a game, you're like, wow, that 43. He's he's been on a couple tackles now. Or that 43, man, he made a really nice play there. And so, I think after the the first quarter, I f- I kept looking at the program, catching myself, going, who in the world is 43? And of course, that was Cop. And one of the other things that I I talked about it a couple weeks ago, Pally. You know, you got got guys like uh, Dudenhofer from Mandan, and uh, Metz from from uh, Fargo Cheyenne, West Fargo Cheyenne. Guys are being thrust into the fire at a really hard position. I don't think fans have an appreciation and understanding how how hard it is to play defensive line at the college level. That's a physical, grown, 
man kind of game, and you're in the trenches banging around, if you're an 18, 19-year-old kid going against 22-year-old developed young men who have been in a strength program for four years, I think they're starting to find their footing, and the more reps, just the more game experience those guys get, you see them making strides and getting better. So what what is your take on that? Because that, that's a lot of uh, – kind of walk us through – how they say that the further you get away from the ball on the line of scrimmage where the center is snapping it, the further you get away, the easier it is to play if you're a younger player. It is hard to come in and play the line of scrimmage, whether you're offense or defense, in the Missouri Valley Conference. Yeah, physically you have to be so developed. Um, and that's, you know, playing against the Duton Heifer kid for a couple of years. He was amazing. And you know what? They're just, they breed them different out in Mandan. There's a bunch of tough kids out there, always have been. So he's been impressive, kind of from the first time I saw him. And then men's has a motor. Uh, that kid just wants to play football and wants to contribute to his team. So I like watching him too. But the defensive line, um, I thought has been a real bright spot this year for our guys. We're, we have depth. We play with a good motor. You know, we get it on tackles. They do their job pretty well. So um, I've been impressed with those guys. And, again, those two young kids, especially Duton Heifer, um, I think he's, he's going to be a pretty special one. It, to play the playing playing nose guard of all positions too. I mean, you play defensive line, and you're coming up. It doesn't matter who you are in the valley. It seems that everybody, not everybody, has the depth or the talent at the offensive line spot as North Dakota State does. But there's a lot of really really good offensive linemen in the Missouri Valley Football Conference, and to step up like those guys have, it's a position where in, in any defense, but especially the Bison defense. Your defensive tackles and your defensive linemen aren't asked to make a ton of tackles, and they don't get a ton of tackles. So you don't see on the stat sheet their names appearing a lot, but that doesn't mean they're not eating up blocks or or, uh, diverting the run game or getting pressure on the quarterback so other dudes can create plays. Well, we have some guys, especially on the interior, that have such great feet. You know, there are some – you can put kind of a somewhat of a fat blob there as some schools do, and they don't really make any plays. They take well, up we a saw double Jackson, team, but... One thing that jumps to mind there, Jacksonville State in the FCS title <clears throat> game where we just we just smoked them. I mean, our guys offensively destroyed them because they had, you know, no offense to those dudes, but even at linebacker, their front seven, they had a lot of fat blobs. Yep, and, you know, going back to Duton Heifer, if you watched him play in the state basketball tournament, he was up and down the court. He, he was His motor was phenomenal. Um, he displayed how athletic he was with his feet. Um, beyond just being a, a massive human, um, he, he, he's able to make plays. So those guys that can run, um, you're, you're not going to get reached. You're, you're going to fight those down blocks. You're going to get in on plays. Um, one thing that they do too, and I know everyone preaches it, but at NDSU they do it, is those wide receiver screens. Anything that comes back to the middle, those D linemen are running to it, and they're trying to cause a fumble. And you alluded to it earlier in, in the warm-up to get here, but you know ball security is everything, and if our defense is causing turnovers, we're going to win the game. Especially when what I love of what what NDSU does, and we saw it last week for maybe the first time all year. The Bison are up two scores in the second half, and you know what, Illinois State, they're not coming back. They they can't move the ball. They can't pick up a first down, let alone sustain two scoring drives to put together two touchdowns. And that's vintage Bison. You see a two score lead in the second half. Offense is all of a sudden they get out of their game plan and they try to have to to reach, and that allows that Bison defense to start playing with their ears back a little bit. And I, I thought we saw that. It was so nice. You know, the first half, even Destin Talbert's interception, their quarterback was getting pressured. The defensive line was creating pressure. The quarterback sailed a pass, and that led Destin Talbert gets credit for the pick, but it's almost, you know, if you look at it like a hockey thing, the assist there goes to the defensive line. They're the ones that pressured the quarterback, caused him to throw a pass he didn't want to off schedule, and it gives the ball back to the Bison, which led to points and a field goal before the half. You know, watching that defensive line, 
rush the passer this year. It's been phenomenal. They stay in their rush lanes. They collapse the pocket. It's coming from the edges. It's coming from the middle. Um, and a lot of our sacks have been group sacks. I mean, they're just nowhere to go. And all of a sudden, offensive linemen are on, getting pushed on top of the quarterback. Um, and someone gets credit for it. But they've done a great job collapsing that pocket this year. Adam Palcheski, former Bison defensive lineman from Scranton, North Dakota, now the head basketball coach at West Fargo High School and an assistant coach on the football team. One of the guys that's fun to watch, you know, let's stay on the defensive line a little bit on the defensive side of the football. Spencer Wagey is a dude that just flat out gets after it. And he's not, he doesn't necessarily have those Kyle Emanuel kind of sack numbers, but he's he's creating havoc and pressure all the time. Senior number 99. He's a special player and a fun guy to watch. And his performance, the Bison are going to need him as we get into next week against Southern and then UND and then into a potential playoff run. Yeah, Spencer Spencer can make plays, and, and Spencer knows he can make plays. So he he puts that on his shoulders to go out there and make a difference in the game, make an impact in the game. Um, and I love watching him because he's having fun the whole time out there. You know, you watch him once in a while, he'll get a uh, he'll get an offsides call because he's jumping that snap count. But Todd Wash used to always say, if you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Todd Wash said a lot of things. That's <laughs> what I love about Washer. We could, we could talk about some of them, but they get us booted off the air. I saw... Justin and I were down. He's coaching D-line for the Detroit Lions now. Washer from uh, Newtown, North Dakota, former Bison great. I think he's in the Bison Hall of Fame. But wash the washerisms, he had a lot of them. If you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Basically it, man. So, no, Spencer's getting after it. He's taking every advantage he can because he wants to go get those sacks. The the Walk us through this point of the season, Pally, and we'll talk about the buys and offense because I know you and Tyler Roll are buddies, and I think fans are just so overly critical. They If we don't score 50 points a game, some of our fans are calling for heads. I mean, they were calling for fight. They called for firings after the Arizona game, after the South Dakota State game. It just drives me bonkers and batty. I stay I, – this point of the year, I start staying away from NDSU fan sites like the Facebook ones. I haven't been on Bisonville – for like 15 years, because they're just flat out, some of them, some of them are great, great guys. Some of them are just delusional maniacs that don't know their their, uh, their backside from a, from their elbow. But when you get to this point of the year, you're, it's kind of like the dog days in baseball, the grind of Valley play. You're not quite at the playoffs. You got a few more regular season games left. The Bison are chasing South Dakota State for that conference title. SDSU's got a tough one today at the Unidome. That's a tough place to win. So that'll be one to keep an eye on. But what's it like as it both, you know, you've been there as a player and coaching at a high level here in North Dakota prep sports. What do you tell your guys this point of the year when you're kind of in the grind and the dog days? Um, you have to keep getting better. Um, you can't have a down week, especially in the game. If you're taking a day off, you know, slacking off in practice, you're not, you're going to take a playoff in the game and it's going to cost you. And you can't do that. You have to be consistent. I know the Bison coaching staff, they preach all the time. We have to be consistent. We need to be the same person every day, come out and get better every day. Um, that's that's nothing new. Those guys know what they're doing, and they've won enough championships where they can where the guys believe in it and they know how to get it done. Um, the biggest thing you're looking at this year, one of the biggest things anyways, is just try to stay healthy. You know, you mentioned in the in the intro, you know, Lipke had a little, little fewer um, carries the other day or the other week, and that's exactly what you want to do. Get other guys involved. Find more playmakers. <clears throat> you can't have enough playmakers. Something can happen in a game that could throw off your game plan if you don't have a backup to take up that slack. Um, so you're just looking to keep developing talent, keep being consistent, and give the guys give the guys a break um, once they've proven what they can do, like a Hunter Lipke or Spencer Wagey or whoever else. Once once you, they're a known commodity and you're going to win the game, you know what? Let someone else play a little bit. Let them develop so that you have another guy coming in if you need them. 
What do you make of some of these young playmakers on the Bison offense, receiver especially, because you're starting to see guys, whether it's a Braylon Henderson, a Zach Mathis, a DJ Hart had a really nice game against South Dakota State. It seems in that Bison passing attack the last four games with Cam completing 73% of his passes, there's a chemistry and a rhythm that's starting to develop that wasn't necessarily there earlier in the season. So when you see some of these young receivers especially making plays, what's going through your mind? And as, as a coach, how do you work that into a game plan where everyone thinks Lipke, Lipke 40 times, that's the answer. That's a South Dakota State thing. That's why they peter out in the playoffs. They do that kind of stuff, and they have done that kind of stuff. And what happens? They get to December, and they fade, and then they lose in the playoffs. North Dakota State is so much smarter about usage, but what's your take on some of these young playmakers for North Dakota State? Um, the guy you mentioned that I really like, because I just see him getting so many yards with the catch, and he's so explosive, is DJ Hart. Um, he really impressed me what, three three weeks ago. He had that big big breakout game. Um, he's done some phenomenal things. So I really like watching him play. He has the speed to get by a guy. He has a shiftiness in close space where he can you know break a tackle and go get some yards after the catch. I really like watching him play. Um, and then having those guys down there, Zach's going to go catch any ball up there. He's 6'6". Um, he knows his job is to go up and catch it, high point that thing. He does a really good job of that. And then uh, Braylon, you know, emerging as a downfield threat is huge. As long as you have a threat to keep the defense honest, and now we have multiple um, they can't come in on that run. And then you're going to get those you know, four-yard carries that now become eight-yard carries because that, that second guy isn't there to finish out the tackle, and our running backs are really good at breaking tackles. Um, and it's just going to help our offense just by having the threat of guys that can make plays. And I want to talk about that a little bit more after the break on Herded Here with Swanee, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Get into that because some folks think I, I hear it in the stands and it drives me nuts. And I'm guilty of saying it or texting it to our group sometimes. You know, run the rock, pound the rock, run the ball. And it's not as simple as just give it to Lipke or Kobe Johnson or Tamarick Williams 50 times a game. You you can't be one dimensional on offense. So the fact this passing attack is starting to emerge, and even against teams like Western Illinois, if you're one dimensional, as bad as they are, they're still college athletes on scholarship and it makes you easier to defend. So I want to talk about that kind of emergence of the passing attack and the Bison offense with Adam Pelcheski next on Heard It Here with South Sussex Gentlemen's Club. I'm Josh Swanson, and I'm asking for your vote to keep it locked in. We're champions come to talk. Heard It Here with Swanee, presented by Twin Peaks, your local sports lodge. You want to vote? Go vote for one of their made-from-scratch food items on a wonderful menu with signature 29 Draft beers and all the scenic views. Adam Palcheski with us here this morning around the horn in the Missouri Valley Football Conference games today. North Dakota, the Fighting Hawks, are at Indiana State. That's a 12 o'clock kick. Missouri State is at USD at the Dakota Dome. That's a 1 o'clock contest. NDSU at Western Illinois, a wind advisory in place. They're expecting 25 to 35 mile per hour winds today with gusts into the 50s. That's a 1 o'clock kick. That game is on ESPN+. Plus. You can blame that on Dom Izzo, Jeff Kolpak, and Mike McFeely. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. They they take a lot of heat. That's why I say that because people light them up on Twitter and Facebook like, I can't find the game on TV. Like, it's their fault. And Dom's like, hey, I've tweeted out 18 times this week that we don't have the game this week because it's the ES, the Missouri Valley has a deal with ESPN, so this is the Missouri Valley Game of the Week on ESPN+, Plus, which would kind of seem counterintuitive once you want the Game of the Week to be a good game, but of course, NDSU and DAY, 
don't want a really good game or a home game going to ESPN Plus. So you you pick a game against an opponent like Western Illinois. So that game is on ESPN Plus. Youngstown State's at Illinois State in a, a playoff survival game. Both teams are five and three. The winner of that game maintains their playoff hopes. And then Youngstown, excuse me, South Dakota State at Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa has won like four football games in a row. They were written off for dead. They're now four and two in the league, five and four overall. They could do a lot to bolster their playoff hopes with a win. That is going to be a, a, a slobber knocker, as they say at the crap hole. That's the Uni Dome. I've been there. That place is a dump, too. You got the multicolored seats and the concrete and the tailgating around it. Maybe they fixed it a little bit. I've been down there a couple times for games. It's like you're going to Maddox Pally and you got the gravel lots that you're tailgating in. And it, you, you look, it's just this big concrete stadium that's a relic of the 1970s. But it's given the, the Panthers a home field advantage as it were. And before the break, we better we better throw a shout out to to our good buddy Pat Thiel, Fargo Shanley, winning last night in Mandan in the uh, two the two A eleven man is that the the new yeah we're double A double A eleven man Shanley beating Mandan to advance to the state title game the Dakota Bowl next Friday at the Fargo Dome against Century who started zero and five and roared back and Coach Wiggenbach. Has them in the title game for I think the fifth time in the last eight years. You know, you know both Coach Mather and Coach Wiggenbach, both two of the more respected coaches in North Dakota high school football. Yeah, both done a great job this year um, and have battled through some adversity, uh, especially Century. I mean, I can't believe it. They were zero five, and now they're in the state title game. But they have the talent. Um, sometimes it's just a matter of uh, kids gelling and realizing that um, I need to do what's best for the team, and they've bought in and. They're making plays now, and they are they are dangerous. I talked with um, uh, Coach Newton at Cheyenne. I know they were on the wrong end of the Century game um, last week, but you know he was worried about them, just planning for them. Like they're good, and they just they just had a bad streak to start the year, but they're good, and we're worried, and and rightfully so. But if you're in the great thing about right now, Double A football, in North Dakota is the parity. Anyone can beat anyone. It doesn't matter if you're you know zero and five or five and zero. Everyone has talent. Everyone has college players. Everyone's coached really well. Um, so you you have to play your best for 48 minutes, or you're going to lose. It's just it's very much like a college atmosphere in, in the fact that you have to bring it every game. That's one of the things we talk about it quite a bit in our friend group. When you take a look at North Dakota prep sports and high school football, especially back when we were in high school, just the level since NDSU's went to Division One, and of course UND making the jump as well, and, and how big college football has become in this part of the country. You look at some of these rosters and just the quality and caliber of the athlete, whether it's a Hegerly that you coached at West Fargo or some of these other guys, uh, Mance, the, the kid from Cheyenne who's going to Minnesota who verbaled to Minnesota. You've got all, and, and every team, every team too. Like you look out there and you, the the look of the guys, it looks it looks like big-time prep football, and when you look at where a lot of these kids are going to continue their careers playing, it is. So just talk about that a little bit, the the caliber of play in North Dakota high school football over the last, you know, 10 to 15 years is, is really jumped up. It, it especially has. You know, you mentioned a few guys. Hagerly, one of my, one of my kids, um, I'm really looking forward to see what he does when he wears a green and gold uniform instead of a green and white uniform. Um, I think he's just chomping at the bit to get out there one of these days. Four uh, games. He's got four games to play, and I says, if I were a bet man, I'd put some money down seeing that guy come playoff time. I, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping he gets out there and gets to show the fans what he can do. So he's a pretty special player. But you know, you look at last year's Cheyenne team. 
um, that one state, you know, they're linemen across the board. They were all college players, Division two and up if they wanted to be. Um, it, it was it was really impressive. Centuries had a run of college players. You look at the Bismarck High when they won it in 2018, I think it was, they had Madler as their quarterback who was down at Northern State doing good things. Um, there's kids at the highest level that are across the board that are good, and that's why you know, going to this double-A football program that we have now, uh, we don't have those, you know, easy games where you just, you could have a bad day, you could not show up, and you could still win. Now you have to show up, and everyone is good. But then you go down to the lower levels, um, a lot, just a lot more kids. Are, there's big and strong and fast in, in nine-man nine, nine and in 11B. Um, you know, you look at, uh, at Kindred right now, the Sunram kid. He's, he's a, getting looks from a lot of big-time FBS programs. He, he's an athlete. He's got great size, and... These kids have worked so hard right now. They're developing their feet. We used to have some big kids. North Dakota's always had big kids, but they didn't have the feet that these kids have now, the athletic ability. Um, and that's that's what's changing as high school football goes on, is kids can now run better, they can move better, um, and it's really, really growing the game. And it's, it's, you know, you wonder, and this is entirely anecdotal, but you see the success that North Dakota State and even UND to an extent with a kid like Bo Belquist from New Rockford they've had with North Dakota kids, and you wonder if finally some of these Minnesota and Nebraska-type programs of the world, or even Iowa. Iowa, I think, State made a, a run at uh, Kepnu. Kepinu, is that how you say it? The Cheyenne kid? Barika. Yeah, made a run at him late, and, and he's still committed to NDSU. They start seeing the success these these guys have had at North Dakota State and say, these guys can play, and, and I, I don't know if that has anything to do with the fact that you have some Power Five starting to, to dip a toe in the waters and taking a look at North Dakota prep athletes. Yeah, I think that you, why wouldn't you? Um, there are a bunch of kids who are humble, that work hard, uh, but have the talent to play at a high level because we have kids now going to the NFL from North Dakota. So it's not something, and it doesn't matter. We have quarterbacks, we have linemen, it doesn't matter. We Wilson have kids with play. the Bengals, yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if you are a college football program that wants to be taken seriously and win, and you're not looking for the best, most competitive players anywhere in the country, um, you're not doing your team justice. Not everyone gets to coach at Texas A&M and Florida State and, and those places. Not everybody could be Jimbo Fisher and go 3-5 and five and get his salary. They've broken down what he gets paid per win since he's been there. This is his fifth year. Jimbo is making just shy under $1 million per win. They've had some of the best recruiting classes in FBS the last few years. They're 3-5. and five. Their culture's horrible. His buyout's at like $77 million. Here's Here's the goofy state big money in college football today. They're talking about potentially buying him out, $77 million, which is just nuts. I mean, Chris Kleiman, all that guy does is win. Kansas State, they they skunked Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy. They were in the top 10. They jumped up. I think K-State was 14 or is 14 this week in the polls. They got a big one tonight against Texas, and you know that Nebraska might come a-calling for Coach Kleiman, but with Gene Taylor and that relationship, I told someone this week, I don't think it's as simple as – Nebraska offers that job. Coach Kleiman takes off, but it's it's interesting to see those dynamics to play out. And 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 we're running out of daylight. But I see, you know, I look at a Matt Ann's coach team, and I know you know Tyler Roll really well. And I think unjustifiably he takes for whatever reason. It was it was like this with Brent Vegan. It was like this with Tim Polasek. I don't know why Bison fans have such a hard on for offensive coordinators and going after them. The Bison are putting up 33 points per game. That's hard to do in a really good con- – we're not playing in some some backwater FCS league. I shouldn't say backwater, but it's not a Patriot league. It's not a Southland. It's not a Southern. You're playing in the Missouri Valley. It's hard to score 30 points in a football game, and the Bison are putting up 33 points. Before the break, I'd ask you about that passing offense because I, I had a listener 
tweeted me this morning, good dude, but he says, oh, Biden's going to run for 350. It's not as simple as just give the ball to Lipke and he can run it for six, seven yards a pop. One, it's hard to do, but if you can't throw the ball and a team knows that you're going to run it, it's a lot harder to run the ball with a stack box of eight or nine guys when you can't throw it versus a team having to respect the pass. Yeah, it's really weird. I didn't find this out till late in life, but apparently the other team practices what? during the week too. What? And they have a say in what happens. Pally, the Bison should win every game by forty-five points. Right. Every game. Yeah. Um. I don't. I don't know. It's. Uh. I. I like what our offense does. Yep. You got to balance your running and passing game. We're not run, not running Veer here. You know those those days are gone. We're not going to have sixty rushing attempts. So. You got to learn how to pass, and it takes time to develop that passing game. It takes chemistry between guys and a lot of reps. Um, and, uh, you know, today with the wind, I think they'll try to shorten the passes a little bit, get some rollouts, do some other stuff like that to keep it a little bit shorter. But there will be some times where, depending on what direction the wind's blowing, that you put that thing up there, let Braylon Henderson run under it, and go get a catch and go get a touchdown. Because, you know what, you could call the wind a disadvantage or you can call it an advantage. Depends on your mindset. You know, we look at it, and I would look at it, if they got eight, nine in the box, it's an advantage. You don't think I can pass. Well, we're going to show you. And and you're going to have man coverage. If you've got yep. eight or nine in the box, your receivers are just going to have straight up what they call zero coverage, which is man. Yep, and our guys are good, and they're better than their guys. I believe that. You know, I'm biased because I played at NDSU, but that's what I believe. So we're going to go beat those guys. We're going to get touchdowns. And that's the game when I went down to, to visit Kittleson at Western. What struck me that game, well, one, uh, got to run into Ramon Humber at tailgating last week. Old Razor was up here. He, he did the coin toss, ran into him. He's like, Swanee. I'm like, dude, what are you doing here? It was really cool to see Ramon and the fact that he, uh, you know, played in the league. I think he might have a super, I think he has a Super Bowl ring with the Patriots. And uh, just, hey, Swan. I'm like, hey, Ramon Humber. Yeah. So he, he's, he's a guy, uh, I mentioned that because the last time, well, the only time I was on a Western Illinois he made one of the most – he was just freakishly athletic, and he played in the league for 10 years. And for whatever reason, he's a guy, one of the best linebackers in program history. I think fans forget about him a little bit because we've had a lot of great linebackers, not just the last 15, 20 years, but the last you know 50 years. But there, there's a play. It's the, the game's close at half, and we're in that kind of cover two, Tampa two, that's the stuff that we used to do in the day. Um, and their guy, they get a receiver behind the defense. And I'm watching, and both Jade and I are like, oh, F-bomb. This is a touchdown. And Ramon's playing linebacker, and he's like kind of, you know, again, uh, his backpedal getting back and catches up in 20 yards like that and like dives backwards, lays out full stretch, arm extended, and slaps the ball away, coming out of nowhere. Just to, I remember the wind swirling that day, but all that was one of the most freakishly athletic plays I've ever seen. And the wind just swirls weird there, but I, you know, I digress. What is it like? This team, what do they have to do? We saw the Bison struggle last month at Indiana State. Came out flat, zero energy. They had to manufacture their own energy, maybe looking past Indiana State to that South Dakota State game. How do you prevent that as a player and a coach where you're going into an environment today in Macomb where it's going to be just a turd of an atmosphere? Yeah, you know, the biggest thing is control you can control. So we have to own the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Um, that's that's the biggest thing. And then make sure on the defensive side, make sure we have gap accountability. Um, talk, talk about that because we, we hear it, and I think a lot of fans, like Justin, who's out there listening, talk about it, but don't really understand what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> don't understand what they're talking about. So, what when you hear gap responsibility and playing assignment sound, what does that mean? So, we have a single gap cancellation defense. Every person is responsible for a gap, so we're in that gap, and you have to be in that gap. And then, if you watch um, as things go on, if a lineman gets reached, he's not in his gap anymore. 
when Coach Bradley was coaching, the linebacker had to make him right. So the, maybe the guys, the D line is supposed to have B gap. He gets reached. He's back in the A gap. The linebacker was supposed to have the A. He has to get to the B. You have to make him right. And you can't just say, oh, I'm running my gap. I'm doing my job. Our job as a defense is to tackle the ball carrier and give them as few yards as possible. So that is the job of the defense. And the job of the defense over supersedes the job of the individual. And the, ga- the gap is an area of space defined as what? The space between offensive linemen or the space? Between be- offensive linemen. So your your A gap would be the space between the center and the guards. Your B gap would be the space between the guards and the tackles and so on. C gap, D gap. Yep, out it, there. And you see and we hear about it when one guy – isn't assignment sound misses that are gap. We see things like we saw at Indiana State where they busted that 82-yard touchdown. You see a guy that either gets sucked in. Ten guys, and, and Coach Ent says it, ten guys can do their job. It just takes one guy not playing assignment sound to give up the big play. And you said it, we play in a good league. I mean, we, it's not like Indiana State did that to us, and yep. Indiana State is 0-5 in the league and 1-7 overall, and they gave us a contest. Yeah, so if you put two hats in the same hole, um, that running back's going to find it, and he's going to get out there for a big 15, 20, 30-yard run, and you can't allow those things. So how important is it for the for the buys and what I would like to see today? I don't, I'm, I'm not saying we need to be up 31 at halftime or even 28-0 to 0 at halftime, but I, I, I want to see a fast start. You know, get a touchdown or two early, put together some sustained drives, and defensively to see some three and outs. To to not let not Illinois State, you know, credit to them, their only score was early in that contest. They put together a drive in the first quarter to take a seven zero lead, but then North Dakota State shut them out. I want to see this Bison defense pick up where they left off in the second half and build momentum because we confidence is one of those things. We're playing with confidence. We're playing with confidence. I heard uh, somebody talking about maybe it's Brian Kelly on uh, ESPN Radio this morning talking about how LSU going into their game with Alabama tonight. They're playing with confidence, but that is real. That is real for a football team. A team that's playing with confidence plays so much better. So talk talk about how important a good start is for NDSU and continuing to play with confidence. Um, you know, I look. You talk about that confidence piece. It it's so true. Um, and the biggest thing I'm going to look for today. You know, you mentioned three and out. I want to see what the the opponent's starting field position is. That's something I look at all the time because that encompasses your special teams as well. So if you got them backed up, if they're starting inside their 25 every possession, um, we're going to be in good shape because it's really hard to go 75-plus yards for a touchdown or even a field goal for that matter. So if we're pushing them back and we're owning not just the defensive side of the ball but special teams as well, keeping them going a long field, we're going to be in great shape. It always comes down to turnovers, as you know, so the offense has to take care of the ball. That's what I always look for. Own the line of scrimmage, take care of the ball on offense because we'll score eventually. Um, and then defensively, that starting field position, keep it deep, make them go a long ways to score. We'll be good. We will be good. And coming back, we'll talk, uh, wrapping up here with Adam Palcheski, former Bison, an icon, good friend of the brothers. We're Swan. taking it to the bank. Hoops Swanee brings you his lock solid State. prediction we'll for this week's game. Just um, don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Swanee. Are you serious? What you can bet. The house on market futures, Pally. I'm telling you, buy wheat. Buy wheat. Buy wheat. If Justin Swanson were here, he'd say one thing. He'd say, "Guys, it's five hundred dollars in my safe. Go buy wheat. <laughs> buy wheat." <laughs> Best advice I ever got. Best advice I ever got. We should have done that. We could have opened a mill in the backyard and made a small fortune. Very, very small fortune. Oh, Adam Palcheski. Former Bison football player coaching at West Fargo. We were talking during the break on Heard It Here with Swanee about that uh, importance of field position. In case in point, against South Dakota State, the Bison made a few bad decisions running a kick out of the end zone that put him at the 8 rather than the 25. That whole second half, 
NDSU is backed up in their own territory. They had to punt. And SDSU, in the second half, SDSU wasn't driving 70, 80 yards for their scores. They were getting the ball at their own 40 or midfield. And the Bison defense, I thought that second half, they did a decent job. They held them to field goals for the most part other than the one touchdown. But a product of that was when you talk complementary football, they weren't in sync, the offense and the defense, because the offense wasn't moving the ball in the second half. That put the defense, they had to defend a short field. And when you, when you were talking about that, what you're watching for, I think it's so on point because it's not sexy. It doesn't jump out on a stat sheet, but it's a lot easier to score touchdowns if you're starting with your, you're starting your drive at your own 45 versus starting it at your own 12. And it's so obvious, but I think that's something that gets missed. Yep, everyone has to do their part on all sides of the ball. Offense contributes to the defense's success, and the defense contributes to the offense's success. It's not, there's you can't, yes, we practice as squads, but you can't break up the game of football. Everyone matters. And we saw that against Illinois State last week. Spencer Wagey on a big third and three early in the second half had a sack. Illinois, has, Illinois State has to punt from their own end zone. NDSU gets the ball at midfield or even plus. When I say plus territory, it means on the other team's side of the 50. So you're starting at Illinois State's 45 as an example. The Bison did that, and a few plays later, Cam Miller's running into the end zone for a touchdown. That's complimentary football. And it's not it's not sexy, but boy, does it win a lot of football games. Yep, and that's, you know, we talked about earlier, that's how teams play with confidence. When everyone's doing their job and it's just rolling, you just, you just start believing that you're going to just shove it down someone's throat, and that's the way it's going to be, and impose your will. Is it how different is it playing on the road? Because we've heard different coaches say that uh, you get away from distractions. Maybe it's the the, the pressures in town to win, girlfriends, uh, other stuff like that. It's kind of a circle the wagons mentality. But how is how is playing on the road different from playing at home as far as that goes? Um, the hardest thing is when you go to a place that doesn't have any atmosphere. That you're going to a losing team and no one wants to go to the games. Um, it is, you know, you, you have confidence going in there because you play for NDSU and you're going to be good and you know you're going to execute your job. Um, but you just look around and no one cares at, at Macomb. No one cares. So that makes it a little bit tougher, but um, you just got to stay locked in. If you're, uh, if you're a backup, not a starter, starters are always locked in. If you're a backup, you got to stay locked in and make sure you're focused and don't get distracted by the couple of kids in the stands yelling obscenities at you. Justin. Um, <laughs> just stay in there. I think we're, we're at UND, my my. Uh, the last time we played him before that long hiatus, um, and there's a kid yelling at Tim Papowski, my old roommate. That pow, said, pow. Uh, he said, "Hey, number sixty-nine, <laughs> you stopped running, but you're still jiggling." <laughs> and I'm, That's I nice. looked, it was good. Those guys had some funny ones. Oh man, Tim Papowski living up in Alaska now. Good, good folks. Pat Nancy's folks. A lot, of, a lot of good bison from that vintage, that era. How do you see the game shaking out, Pally? Game day prediction. What, how do you think it's going to go this afternoon? Um, to be honest, I think I think we're going to play pretty well. Um, I feel like the line of scrimmage is, is going in our direction, so we're going to dominate that up front. We're going to get a good, consistent five-plus yards per carry, hopefully more. Um, running back by committee is going to go well. We, we have some explosive kids. You talk about Lipke all the time, but the guy that I don't think gets talked about enough is uh, Tameric Williams. Yeah, yeah. I love watching that guy run. Indiana State, he played really, <clears throat> really well. Yep. And then um, I just think they're going to have a hard time scoring on us. You said they can't run the ball, so they'll be one dimension. They can try to pass. Good luck today. Um, our DBs are doing some good things. Uh, there'll be opportunities there. You know, look for this. Make sure that when we have opportunities for interceptions, we get them. Catch them. Bring them in. Yep, because they might end up being touchdowns for us. Yeah, and, and we've seen that with this Bison defense, especially earlier in the year. I, I would say three or four pick sixes that were dropped. Guys mm-hmm. had nothing but green space, and, and they're starting to capitalize on that, hanging onto the ball. You know, we saw the pick with Destin Talbert. But that's such a big thing. If you can get that changed the course of a game. It was 7-7 to before the half. Talbert picks it. Has like a 37-yard return. Sets up a score before the half. Stick around. For Around the Rink with Travis Dunn talking fighting 
Hawks hockey. Want to thank Josh Linus for running the board. Pally, always a privilege and a pleasure, my friend. My pleasure, buddy. North Dakota State's going to own this one. They're going to run all over him. Bison defense comes out, plays inspired. At the end of the day, the herd walks away with a 49 to zero. Shuts him out. I'm calling for the shutout today, I like Pally. It. I like it. 49 to nuts, babies. Stick around for around the rink and remember the strength of the herd is the bison and the strength of the bison is the herd.